0: Welcome everybody, you're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with the double L team, Lawland, Lawson! Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? Actually, I know what you're thankful for this morning. What's that? You're thankful that I survived my surgery. I literally was about to say that. And I'm here and I'm alive and I'm on air.
1: You know, I was gonna say that. I was gonna say that, but you decided <laughs> to butt in and just make yourself yes. look so lame <laughs> and prideful. <laughs> but yeah, of course, of course, I'm great. You know, we're grateful that Lyle's back, that he didn't die. That that's always good. Yes, um, positive thing. Positive, positively different. You know, I could have just kept good doing the show it- with Blake. That was really fun, but hey, look, you're back! <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are you grateful for, Lyle? I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be back. Yeah, that's right. I, I think it's a. It's always a very positive thing when uh, you end up in hospital and you come back out again. So, did you stay overnight? No,
1: no. You were just. Oh, you were just. I went
0: crazy. home and suffered. You were just tired alone and in my bed. <laughs> well, not
1: alone, but in my bed. <laughs>
0: Without medical care. Oh, uh, that's tough.
1: That's tu- well, you're okay, so it doesn't seem like you need it.
0: <laughs> nah, praise God, all, all has gone well. Feeling a little off this morning, but, you know, we'll get there.
1: You know what else I'm grateful for? What else are
0: you grateful Hopefully, for? Hopefully,
1: we're looking forward to having can, a special you, guest on the show.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. Well, we will try. We have at least one special guest today. We have, like, an epic interview coming up. That we do. Yes, but we are trying to get another special guest on who's going to give us some possibly epic news. We're
0: going to try and get special guests. Well, we've got one special guest from overseas. We're going to have two. We're going to try for two. Yeah. We will see.
1: We'll see how it goes. We'll give it our best shot. Yeah, but, dude, we've got an interview coming up. John Boston from Haiti. Yes. Oh, like, please, stay tuned. That's going to come up later in the
2: hour. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith
0: FM. Positively Different. Absolutely great stuff right there. Well, joining us on the phone this morning for Positively Different News is Aussie Angela. Many of you will remember Aussie Angela. <laughs> Aussie Angela. Yes, she's an Australian. Um, Aussie Angela, who was a co-host here on The Breakfast Show for a number of months. Aussie Angela, welcome to the show this morning.
3: Well, hello. Good to be back
0: now Angela I understand that you have something to share for positively different news this morning I heard some news this morning coming out of the United States where you are at the moment and it is your news we want to we want to share in with you with your good news what is your good news this morning well you
3: know I wanted to make it more official my mom's from australia i lived in australia but i I had to go more back to my roots and so i am officially engaged to an australian
0: hey congratulations (laughs) angela officially engaged to an australian well done what a fine choice i think that's the real step
3: i actually have to say it's because of the radio believe it or not but your other host entire time it's her brother so you can actually think your radio station, and your other co-host, Minnie, for the fact that Aussie Angela really is becoming Aussie Angela.
0: <laughs> this is fantastic stuff. So there you go, Lawson. This is what we do here on Faith FM Radio. We get people together. We make matches. It happens right here. That's right. This one has uh, taken place right here on Faith. Angela, we're just so happy for you. So good. And we just want to wish you God's blessing as you and Chris prepare for your wedding. I think it's like in less than a month's time, right?
3: It is. It's Man. September 26th in America, September twenty seven in Australia, so less than four weeks away.
0: So this is what getting happens. done. Just, Let's go. Yes. <laughs> this is yes. so good. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's interesting how COVID manages to affect weddings, you know, even all around the world. And we just do them a little bit differently than what we used to, you know? Yeah, that's right. No, no
1: one-year engagement period anymore. It's just like, we're just getting just, straight just, into just it now. Just get it done.
0: Just get it done. Make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> nah, this is fantastic well, news, Angela.
3: God just opened up doors. So what can you do but keep walking through them?
0: Absolutely. Oof. Absolutely. Well, Angela, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM for the positively different news this morning. We just wanted to, we just want to say congratulations and to wish you God's blessing, you and Chris, in your future together and, uh, and as you prepare for your, your upcoming wedding.
3: Well,
0: thank you very, very much. And yeah, Faith FM is now our matchmaking station. <laughs> 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 uh, fantastic,
2: so. Oh, oh, there's
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, ah, we got we got we Chris got on Chris the line on as the well phone too. Wow, dude, Go I, Chris. I, I love how it's just turned into it's all about me now. <laughs> <laughs> <For> <laughs> sure.
2: Hey, Chris.
0: Seeing as you're on the phone, how did you manage to pull this off? Tell us, tell us what you did.
2: Well, it was a little tricky. We, um, I had a plan and it, uh, didn't quite work out. And, uh, so we went for an option B, um, where I had her dad help me out and he set up a whole bunch of tea light candles, um, which looked amazing. And then the opportunity came for option A to open back up. And so, I actually proposed quite um, to, to give it the real experience as well as to, uh, you know, have it happen.
1: Just so <laughs> to let her know that you're a man of many options.
0: Well, just in case just in case the second time round she wanted to back out, right? I mean, that's a bit of a risky move there, Chris, don't you think? She might have backed out the second time round.
2: Well, the, the, the second time was the original plan, so... It kind of was the bigger,
3: more romantic. I'm gonna to try to sweep you off your feet Please.
1: attempt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dude, that's classic.
0: Uh, Chris, you're the man. What can I say? You just uh, it's not every it's not every guy who um, who goes out and proposes, proposes twice. twice. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> definitely epic, right there.
2: Yeah, well, at least I know that. He's definitely in this time, right? She said yes both times, so it's- it wasn't yeah. a fluke, dude. You're in, like, good to
0: go. <laughs> well, now, well, now we want to we, well, we want to see if you can pull off two weddings. Then, if you've got two engagements, oh. then uh, maybe two weddings.
3: Well, we're hoping to pull off something special in Australia. So we're hoping God can help us get in next year. Hopefully, January or February will be. I'm into Australia, so maybe there will
1: be a second wedding. Oh, dude! You can get married in hotel quarantine. How epic would that be? <laughs> <laughs> no, not
3: funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, I can stand out. Honeymoon.
0: I, can,
1: honeymoon, people.
0: I can stand outside of the uh, the window and um, and yell the vows at you from the street below. <laughs>
1: With a mega oh horn man. up the top, like just talking to each other. I, I do, yeah. <laughs> that's hilarious.
0: Nah, it sounds like an epic plan, guys. We are just super stoked for you. May God bless you both in a, a very special way. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you guys sometime in the future. Who knows what the future holds? And we certainly know a lot less about the future during COVID times than we ever did before. But uh, we, I'm sure that there are some. Some good things that uh, are going to take place. Well, we need to get back to our show, guys, but uh, I just want to encourage all of our listeners to text in your congratulations to Angela and Chris this morning. Lawson, we're going to pass it back over to you for the rest of our positively
1: different news. That's right. That's right. You know, I'll, I'll let everyone know, uh, when I talk to a woman. Um, (laughs) I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Let's, let's do some positively different news this morning. Oh, dude, I've got so many good stories in such little time, but that's, you're you're going to have a hard time topping that. That's all right. That's all right. Hey, hey, look, look, check this out. I read, I read this morning and, you know, this is, this is the ultimate opportunity for turning. Bad things into good things, you know, looking at the positive, the positive side. So um, we're going to talk about a nightclub, actually. One nightclub. A nightclub. Yeah. In Positively. Yeah, yeah just listen, just hear me out. Okay. Yeah. One nightclub in, Ga- in Glasgow, in, in Scotland, um, is pioneering a system uh, where, like, it can basically suck in, like, heat and CO2 made from people dancing on the dance floor to power the building. Right. And I'm like, and this is what, I, from what I've right. seen. This is like the first thing of its kind. Like, they're really being innovative here. Now, I'm not promoting the nightclub, obviously. Like, I don't but think. But maybe we could do this with a church. I'm like, yes.
0: Churches. when people are singing in gyms, church, surely they're producing more CO2 than when people are not singing and listening to music. That's right. In a nightclub, you listen to music. In a church, you sing music.
1: Yeah, that's right. And furthermore, like, well, you know, we're sitting here in the studio right now. I'm pretty warm. You know, the sun's coming up earlier and earlier. It's like, why can't we, our bodies make CO2 that just power this whole
0: building? Okay, but I, isn't everything around us kind of making CO2 right now? If we can run, if we can create power from CO2, isn't that all of our problems solved? Well... And what is the byproduct of the CO2? Well,
1: that's right, Lyle, is that... From what I can tell from this article, they've got very big ambitions to make this happen. Because that's my first thought. It's like, well, doesn't everyone just have warmth and exist and emit CO2? And, you know, if, if I- we can
0: make this happen, it's going to be great justification for buying a V8. I know. I, 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 have, I
1: have no idea. I have no Cupid idea why, why this technology is being applied to a nightclub. I'm like, why? why are we wasting it here? We need to apply it.
0: Yeah, if CO two if if you can turn CO two into energy, then shouldn't we be harvesting CO two at least off stationary engines like generators and those kind of engines that are you know not. That's right. Moving somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm confused by this one. What I, kind of energy I, do you get from CO two? I'm
1: perplexed. Well, they they're going through this like conversion method where the heat itself will um, be channeled into a bunch of like tubes. Um, and then, like this, heat will be converted to, you know, run cooling and all kinds of things. Heat, I understand.
0: Yeah. CO two, I don't. Well, they're saying they they're using both. But heat from your body mm. is not enough heat to do anything. Yeah.
1: But they're they're saying they can power a nightclub with it. There you well, go. I, well, let's let's see what happens. Gotta watch watch this place. <laughs>
2: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: There you go. If you know the answer, give us a call right now. Of course, congratulations are coming in for Angela and Chris. Many of so you will good. remember when Angela was co-hosting here on Faith FM. And, you, of course, you will remember Minnie who co-hosted for a very long time, and this is uh, Minnie's brother, Chris. Uh, the two of them have just become engaged. So do send your congratulations through. Raphael says, congratulations, Angela. Wishing you all the best. Chris, love your master plan. Well done.
1: <laughs> the, the, the double
0: engagement. The, 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 the combo. He goes out there and asks the question twice. Just to make sure, what what are, dude? King of consent, right there. <laughs> that's right. <It's> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Getting it done. That's twenty twenty one. Fantastic stuff. All right, let's talk about a little bit more serious news. And this is this is a question that's sort of going through my mind in the moment, and I'm going to sort of put it out there. And that's what's going to happen in New South Wales in the next couple of weeks. Okay, oh. so we've got some new regulations coming in the next couple of weeks, where if you are in aged care, if you are in uh, hospital staff, that kind of thing, if you are in education, then you are required to have a vaccination. Okay.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So my question is, okay, particularly with aged care and our medical staff, what happens when we are getting a surge in infections and suddenly somewhere between 8 and 15% of our medical staff are booted out of the job?
1: mm. Is that because 8 to 15% of them...
0: That's the current estimation as to how many at this particular point will not take the vaccination. Okay. And I'm just sort of thinking about this and, and I'm thinking, okay, isn't this... Okay, I, I've always been very opposed to forced vaccinations. Mm-hmm always had a very strong pro-choice position on vaccinations mm-hmm. for a number of reasons. First of all, if you're the government and if you have an agenda where you think this is the best thing so you want to get as many people vaxxed as possible, the last thing in the world that you want to do, particularly in Australia, is try and force people That's to do right. it. That's
1: like, right. As soon as you
0: try and force people, people are going to get their back up.
1: We have the the convict mindset. If there's a rule, we're going to break it, right? Exactly. <laughs>
0: And then make comments about the rule police. Yeah, yeah the rules police. <laughs> okay, so, so this is the dumbest idea ever. And then you're going to go after those professions where we really need yeah, people, every hand right. on deck right, right, right now. I mean, aged care, hospital staff and education, these are the two places that are probably, you know, in a pandemic, they are under the most stress. mm And we're going to go after them? That makes no sense at all. Um, Yeah, anyway. Just wanted to get that out there and say that that this is a terrible idea. You know, and some people have been asking the question, well, you know, what happens if they do the same thing for, you know, congregations and so forth because, you know, they're talking about doing it for, uh, you know, say a football match where you've got a large congregation who gathers together to worship their football and so, you know, no vax, no going to the football stadium. Um, what about, you know, large congregations? We've got, you know, mega churches here in Australia. What about Hillsong and stuff like that? And if you do it to Hillsong, aren't they then going to need to apply that across the board to all churches? And what's that going to produce? And, you know, I was with a group of pastors yesterday and it was being discussed, you know, what would happen? What would that look like? And the long and the short of it is that it would create an underground system of home churches and we would have to start. You know, and and we kind of really right now have to start thinking thinking about as ministers, how do we minister in that kind of environment? Mm. Because it'll be a very different environment to what we're ministering in right now. Yeah, that's right. Crazy times in which we live. Mm. Crazy, 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 crazy times. Okay, while we're on that subject, we've got the uh, situation in the United States with John MacArthur, and the Grace Community Church in California. Okay. Now, we have to remember that the United States is a very, very different kettle of fish to Australia. Yeah. And they have very, very different laws and very, very different legislation than what Australia has. And so John McCarthy's got a megachurch there in California and he has consistently defied any kind of lockdown laws. He has remained open um he has had the state come after him he has had the county come after him he has had the police come after him he has had his car park closed they have thrown every court case in at him that they possibly can but because he's in the United States he's been able to appeal that through the through to the Supreme Court through yeah. the uh Constitution of the United States and of course the Constitution of the United States states that or, or guarantees uh, religious of uh, f- re- religious freedom to every person so that they can worship according to the dictates of their conscience. Mm. And his argument has been that it is a religious requirement for us to meet together for corporate worship. That is what our conscience tells us that we must do. This is one of our church doctrines this mm. is you know a foundational doctrine of our church that we must do this as Christians and so he's been able to argue it that way um, through the Constitution despite everything possible that has been thrown at this particular church and he has countersued oh okay. And he has, uh, in, and it's sort of coming to an end at the moment. Uh, looks like the county and the state are about to fork out nearly a million dollars in damages. Oh, wow. To the Grace Community Church. but For like chucking down roadblocks and like
1: trying to for arrest people. And, and all
0: and of the legal costs that, you know, it's cost them, you know, basically a million dollars to fight this through court.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: And whoever loses. And, is you know, they're a mega church and so they can, they kind of have the money to be able to do that. Hmm yeah yikes, so like yeah California or, the, as some people call it California
1: <laughs> well, some people will call it get at the moment at least, but that's really interesting i'm I'm okay, I'm interested to see okay they've consistently stayed open and defied the laws yes, has they've had two major outbreaks uh, okay yeah this is is that mean that uh, they're one classified in October last year spreaders or something
0: one in October last year, one in December last year uh the pastor of the church Don MacArthur he's had the COVID. mm-hmm so that you know, they have not been immune from the disease at all. We don't have any information on, you know, the number of people who've died or if people have died as a part of the congregation, as a part of the outbreaks. In a church of that size, statistically there would be mm. uh people who passed away as a result of the uh of the virus. But we don't know, we don't have that information. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, interesting stuff, interesting stuff. It uh, certainly sets a very powerful precedent in the United States. Uh, but one that won't affect us. Like No, because you stupid. can't do that here. That, that's right. Like, and, and I need to encourage all of our listeners, if you're a part of a church... Don't try this in Australia. Well, because Don't people try this have already tried
1: this. So like um, there was yeah, a, no legal, there is no legal framework. To there was a guy have. in Melbourne uh, that run, runs a church down there, a non-denominational church, literally did this exact thing and they just arrested him. Yeah. We already talked about this on radio. They just yep. arrested him and they. Yep. Same, and he same has in, no right to be able to fight that. Same back. in Canada.
0: Yeah. Because we do not have the legal framework for it. We do not have a legal framework for religious liberty in this country. It does not exist. That's right. And so it uh, if you want to try this in Australia, what it's going to cost you is that you're going to spend, well, the same million dollars in legal fees and lose. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And then you're going to be forking out a lot of money and then you're going to be sued for the legal fees of everybody who locked you up. Oh, yeah, that's tough. <laughs> so, yeah, not a <laughs> great idea. Anyway, with the uh, fall of uh, Afghanistan and us losing the war over there, mm. Uh, it's interesting to see the comments that have been going around, uh, particularly in the United States in relationship to Christians. Mm. Uh, There is an increasing number of people, including people like, say, Michael Moore, who have turned around and stated that Christianity in the United States is America's Taliban because the Taliban has become the new face in the last couple of days of radical Islam. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty strong statement, right there. Um, in response, one, one Christian wrote, "Because is why you know is why are we the Taliban because we want to protect innocent babies in the womb, because we care about marriage and family, because we feed the poor and needy around the world, because we want the whole world to know how wonderful Jesus is."
2: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different.
0: Recently, we've been talking a little bit about Haiti, and Haiti is a poverty-stricken country. It has been pretty much wrecked by COVID, but in more recent times, uh, they've had assassinations. It is the kidnapping hotspot of the world. They've been hit by storms and, more recently, a massive earthquake. It's kind of the place that you would avoid at all costs. But John Boston hasn't avoided it. John Boston is currently there. John, why are you in Haiti?
4: I am here because I got a call from one of my colleagues, Pastor Herod Thomas in Brooklyn, New York, and he pastors the Shiloh Bilingual Church. I currently serve all of uh, North America, all of the Adventist churches there. And he wanted to do something. The young adult professionals in his church wanted to do something. And um, I prayed on it overnight. I had been traveling for three weeks. And I was slated to be home, but the Lord impressed me to call him back and let him know that I thought we should go and uh, identify people who have not been reached by the resources, the enormous resources that have been sent here. And when we got here, we found a lot of gap and we've been able to bring a lot of support. And uh, it's been a beautiful experience working uh, on these front lines and hearing these stories uh, come out of, the different areas. We're in the southern end of the country. We're here right now. I'm in a place called Lekai and uh, we've traveled up towards the plateau uh, in the foothills of the mountains and uh, the devastation is unbelievable, but we are here because we we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus as he asks us to be.
1: What's been your initial impressions as you've come into the country? You know, obviously, at the moment, we're in the wake of the, the earthquake that just went through there. There's a current death toll of over 2,000 people, 50,000 houses destroyed, things like that. Um, obviously, this is following the um, presidential assassination as well of Jovenel Moïse. You know, what's been your initial impressions as you've been interacting with the people after, after all this tragedy?
4: The resilience of the people, the sheer resilience of the people is unbelievable. I I have to say, while there is a lot of sadness, I am very inspired by their tenacity to live and go forward. I met a father last night. We were at the rubble of what was his home two weeks ago. And he's standing there pointing to the areas where he had to pull his two sons out who were killed in the earthquake. He points to another area where his wife, they had to dig her out. It took nine hours to get her out. She's now in Port-au-Prince in the country's capital, and uh, she has an amputated leg. And, and he showed me another area where another daughter was pulled out, and both of her legs and hips are broken, and she's in Port-au-Prince as well. But as he stood there, he said, I thank God. I thank God because I know that the way that uh, things happen, they were not God's plan. But God does have a plan to redeem my family and this world. And I'm holding on to his hand. And that type of heart is what I see over and over. I have not yet met a single person who says, God did this. I blame him. I'm sure it exists. I'm sure that there are persons who feel that way but over and over I've met people and I'm not just working with uh, with one particular faith community but over and over I've met people who have that, that Haitian resilience to keep living, keep pressing forward.
0: John, you mentioned some pretty severe traumatic injuries there that people are suffering with. Um, Haiti is known to be a poverty stricken country. What are the medical services like there as far as what you've been able to see?
4: Because we try to go to areas that where, where there are gaps in Service. We did sit at the table with aid, all the aid or, or, or organizations in the area that are serving uh, this Southern end. We sat with them, but we sat with the community leaders. And what's what's happening is, is there as many people as possible. They're sending to the capital for the most urgent and severe treatment. The medical facilities are absolutely full. Or or so many of the medical professionals that were serving those facilities, they themselves were victims. They were killed in the earthquake, or they were sent to Port au Prince to help provide support there. So, what, what we're seeing is a lot of people with bruises and, and wounds that they've had to treat themselves because the medical support was not in place. And, uh, but the most severe cases, uh, we see helicopters coming in almost every 30 minutes and leaving so that they're, they're, they're transporting people. All of the, as best we can tell, all of the search and rescue efforts have ended, and now they're in the mode of recovery and trying as best they can to, to recover persons so that, like I said, this gentleman I, I spent the evening with yesterday, his, uh, his two daughters, I was with uh, another individual who drove us home, and there's still safety issues, so we had security and we, we need people that know the terrain. But as he drove us home, he shared with us that one of the domestic workers who supports his home, uh, she had two girls and she was injured in the earthquake. He rushed her to the hospital and as she lay there waiting in this, uh, southern, southern end hospital near Lakai trying to get treatment, she, she asked him three times to please take care of her two year old daughter and her four year old daughter. And, uh, while she was waiting to get care, she took her last breath and he said, I had, I had four children, but because of my promise to her, I have six children now. And he's out helping me help other people while he's experienced that type of trauma. Wow, oh,
1: heavy stuff, but amazing work that's going on there.
0: So something that sort of comes into my mind, just listening to that, is that you know we're now two weeks on from the earthquake, and you still got helicopters coming in, still taking people out. These are people that have obviously been suffering for a long time with very limited medical care.
4: I think that's an accurate assessment. Uh, from, from what I'm seeing, then people are having to just go forward, uh, right near the heart of, uh, Lakai. And there's a Seventh-day Adventist church there, Ebenezer. The church itself, uh, the walls of the church fell. The church is still standing. There are many churches. i uh, I talked to one local leader. He's a, he, what, what would be in Australia, uh, award leader or a, um, I can't remember the name of the term. I'm, I've been so gone so long from Australia, I'm forgetting. But he's uh, an area leader, like a city council person, if you were in, in, in a, uh, America. And uh, he's in charge of this city uh, as, like as a mayor. And he said that 95% of all residential structures have been destroyed. Now, they may not all be on the ground, but they they're standing, and the structure has been compromised this morning. Uh, at about five thirty, my bed started to shake. I was sleeping uh close to the close to an area where I could get out. Five thirty in the morning I hear all of these people running out into the streets because they can't even sleep deeply because they're afraid what what remaining structures are there are gonna fall on them. And so it's um it's a difficult experience. Uh and, and I was saying that this group near the heart of uh Lakai, they haven't received aid. We were able to bring some support to them. And there's about 220 individuals in 46 different families that have come together and they take whatever they have. They prepare meals. They sing songs together. They're encouraging each other. I said, how long will you do this? They said every day we're hoping for something to, to change for us. We don't have homes to go back to, but for now, this is what we have and this is what we're going to do.
1: Now, you used a phrase earlier um, that's really amazing being the hands and feet of Jesus and and as you're in Haiti helping these people that's who you're representing but also you know as a representative of the church as well I'd love to know what the people's reception has been to to the church to the message um as as you've been going around and 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 helping and as the church has been making efforts to to be able to do relief
4: I um it, it's uh, we I came because of that Seventh day Adventist Church in Brooklyn and Queen Shiloh and Siloé, And uh, I'm not here in my official capacity as uh, an associate director of the North American Division Evangelism Institute. I'm here as a human being and a neighbor. And so with that being said, when, when people do understand where I'm from or, or I'm introduced to like I was with the city leaders, they're grateful. Uh, I, I was meeting with people that, have very uh very <laughs> various faiths uh, diametrically some of them opposed to my faith and, um, and and I think you you get an idea what I mean when I say that mm. but they're grateful I had one individual who is not a Christian who does not identify as a Christian and they practice a local uh, religious culture that uh, dominates the landscape here and um, they he said to me he's Said, the world does not need more money. I'm glad more love. And you, the love that you brought us gave us more hope than all of the money that you could ever give us. And that was so meaningful to me to hear him say that. Uh, when I share, I am able at, at times, I'll be speaking in about 40 minutes here to a large group of people gathering in the open air. Even as it's raining, they're, they're gathering. And um, one of the things I'm able to point to is a promise that that God, Christ has gone to prepare a place for us, and He's wow. going to come again and receive Him, receive us unto Himself, so that where He is, we may be also. In Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen, twenty, and here I, I'm John 14, 1, to three. I'm sorry, and here I, am, I am while sharing that inspiration, inspired by the hope that they have. One of the one of the things that I find myself repeating a lot. Because the resilience is so high and the tenacity is so high in the people, I often find myself uh, quoting Matthew 5, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And uh, I had one leader, city leader, civic leader, appointed a uh, big shot in this area, and I didn't know that. It didn't matter to me. We met all types of people, but he pulled uh, Pastor Thomas, who's a United States Navy chaplain, aside, in addition to being a pastor, he pulled him aside and he said i want to give up he said i'm tired of seeing my neighbor's uh bodies pulled from the rubble i'm tired of seeing my people not have any food Hmm. they elected me to serve them and i have nothing to give them and just the listening he was able to walk away from that with some encouragement and we we offered no advice no counsel no not even a scripture just listening helping him know that he was heard meant, meant so much to him wow
0: John, you mentioned it's raining there. We've heard that storms have been hitting Haiti since the earthquake struck. Whereabouts are people finding shelter from you know, from storm and rain and from the weather, from the elements with 95% of the structures that have been damaged? Are they living in the damaged structures or are there temporary shelters? Is there emergency shelters that have been put up or are people just living on the streets?
4: Well, it's a little bit of all of that to answer that question. You have a great need for tents, and so there you'll you'll see tents sitting in front of people's homes or their business. And uh, what what they're doing is they'll go into the structure during the, to navigate life, and uh, in the evenings while they're sleeping and their guard is down, they sleep out in the tent for fear that the structure will fall under the stars. And uh, it's an unfortunate reality that there is not an infrastructure in place for temporary shelters. But uh, different aid organizations, including what we're here doing, uh, are providing tents and, and the resources to get tents until uh, more permanent solutions can be in place. I tell you, uh, uh, Lawson and Lau, one of the most incredible things I saw was a a home that had been destroyed, and the people took no the people took the the pieces of the rooftop, and they put temporary stakes uh, up on the ground to put those pieces on top of. And they turned it into a roof and they made it a gathering place for, for worship. And this is a Seventh-day Adventist faith community. And they invited their community to come there. And it was just magnificent to see. So they're wow. they're literally sitting on cracks in the ground that are six to eight inches. I can't, you know, help me do the math on that because I know I'm talking in a different (laughs) interior system here. But uh these 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 large (laughs) these large cracks in the ground and they're using the broken pieces to cover a space for people to come. And I just thought how beautiful an image of church that is that God uses broken people to uh to to invite others to to experience the warmth of his presence and His love. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High, they shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. John,
1: powerful stuff. That's all the time we have this morning. I'm sure we could keep talking, going through all these incredible stories. But thank you so much for joining us. And and God bless you as you uh, continue the word there. And God bless uh, Haiti as well, as they definitely are in need of of prayer and the aid that we are trying to provide them uh we're going to move on with the show and come back right after this
3: thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM